Sambanani Dumelang, good evening and welcome to episode 373 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzaman Dongwa Kumalo. It's a Friday edition of the Private Property Podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome to it. You're tuned into the only daily property talk show in South Africa that helps you on your property needs. And to all our regular viewers on Facebook, on Instagram, as well as on YouTube, welcome to it. You know how we do every single weekday. You and I have an appointment at 7 p.m. where I'm always in conversation with a property expert who helps us navigate our property decision. And it doesn't matter where you are in your property journey, this is the show that helps you along the way. And talking about shows that help you along the way, you know that you can also tune into our incredible other shows across Private Property's social media pages. It's a Friday, so you can look forward to Chad bringing you the home show shoppers show and that also comes to your screens every single monday at 8 p.m and every tuesdays and thursdays umbali noko brings you the farming podcast tackling all things agriculture so for all of you at home who've got green fingers that is a show that you certainly do not want to miss out on and on wednesdays esther clausen takes you through the first time home buyer show where she's always in conversation with people who've not only walked that first time home buying journey but have gone on to grow their property portfolios from strength to strength well those are some of the great shows that you can tune into every single weekday right here on the private property podcast uh private property social media platforms rather every weekday at 8 p.m now as you know i know that of course today was the real estate industry summit wanted to want to find out from you at home were you attending the virtual event and if you were what were some of the most interesting sessions um, that you attended earlier on today do let us know uh, down here below i certainly want to find out from you at home uh, which ones were some of the key sessions that you attended now this evening we're going to be looking at something that i'm very very excited about but before we get to it you know that we are running our great competition where you stand a chance of walking away with 500 rands in cash every single weekday right here on the show. And all you have to do to stand a chance of walking away with that cash is to make sure that you comment on the pinned post on our social media page that is on the Facebook page. And if we call your name, drop us a message down here below and you walk away with the cash prize. We've got 500 rands in the money back, so I'm excited to see who the lucky winner is later on is going to be. I hope you're watching and, of course, ready to drop us that message and really end of payday weekend with an extra 500 rands in your bank account. I think that's certainly a great way to end off the week or certainly end of the month. Well, this evening we're having a conversation with somebody that I, I know of far too well. I was even saying to him um, that I'm actually very familiar about, you know, who it is, the work that he does, because uh, this is one of the data sets that uh, certainly as a property professional, you look at uh, at school. This is one of the data sets that we look at. So when we talk about ha- understanding data, making data driven decisions, this is literally one of the resources um, that we tap into on a quarterly basis. We're looking at the state of the property market report. And I'm in conversation with Erwin Road, who is the CEO at Road and Associates. Erwin, good evening and thank you so much for joining us on the show. Good evening, Sam. 
Now, I think, Irvin, when I look at, uh, you know, the road report, I, I'm very familiar with the with the road report, but for purposes of the people at home who may not be, uh, you know, as familiar with what it is, what it measures, perhaps take us through what is the road report and, and, and what exactly goes into uh, what we then sort of read up on a quarterly basis uh, when we go through the report. Right. Thank you very much for the question. Um, my firm is, uh, the name of my firm is Roder and Associates, R-O-D-E, no H, one O. <laughs> and um, we have been in existence for 33 years. And uh, we are best known, apart from being valuers, property valuers, we are also producers of uh, the Roda report. Uh, Roda's report on the South African property market, it uh, is a full title. Uh, and what this report really does is it gives you the state of the property market in South Africa. Uh, and how do we do it? We have a panel of experts in every city, uh, every metropolitan city, um, and uh, and also in some smaller cities like um, like Polokwane uh, and uh, Nelspruit uh, and, and, and well East London is is not small we have a panel in East London in Port Elizabeth sorry I'm not using the new names at the moment still <laughs> uh, Bloemfontein uh, even George we have a panel uh, nowadays and Cape Town and uh, and because the, the the firm is 33 years old the data that we collect in this way goes back 33 years plus because I, I started doing these surveys even before I started my company. Um, uh, the, uh, the way we do the survey is we ask our panel the same question every quarter. Uh, for instance, uh, what, uh, in your opinion, is uh, the current market rental rate for grade A office rentals in the CBD of Durban? Uh, that would be the, an example. Or for grade B offices in Durban, or for grade C in the CBD of Durban, uh, and so forth and so on. We've got hundreds of uh, nodes uh, in the country that we track in this way, and also uh, industrial townships that we track in this way. Um, then we do capitalization rates. Those of you who are not uh, okay with capitalization rates, is nothing but the income yield um, of the first year divided by the market value or the price that you pay, assuming the property is fully let at, uh, at market rentals. Uh, we track operating costs, we track house prices, we track uh, flat rentals countrywide, uh, and so forth and so on. Um, so it's a very wide um, array of, uh, of uh, areas, physical areas, geographic areas, uh, and property types and, and grades of properties uh, types that we track. Um, and as a consequence, I'm told it's become the Bible of uh, the banks, for instance, when they receive, uh, when they have to calculate market rentals or see whether market rentals are market related. Um, even the Department of uh, Public Works apparently is using it as a, as a standard to, uh, against which they measure with a, a, new, a new leases that they sign. Uh, is market related or not. Uh, and hopefully that eventually will put a, an end to the nonsense of uh, uh, the Department of Public Works. I'm talking about the national one now. Uh, I think that's already come to an end where they were signing uh, rentals at uh, double the market rental rate. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that's what's, uh, I think that from a publicity side, uh, this is what, what, what we're best uh, known for. 
But we also have other publications. We've got the six-year forecast publication where we forecast the crucial, uh, the crucial variables, things like market rental rates, capitalization rates uh, uh, for, uh, for, for the various property types, uh, including uh, offices, industrial uh, and uh, shopping centers and so forth. Yeah, so it's a very wide-ranging survey that we do. So it's become a, a, a standard in the marketplace uh, for, for serious investors. You know, I must say, I, I am not a particularly big fan of consuming industrial property data just as, as a general, even handling industrial property, um, you know, case studies. I often uh, complain about it quite a lot on my social media platforms. Um, but of course, the, this is data that we do track, especially if you're in the industrial property um, at space. And, and I'm interested to find out from you, Irvin, I mean, the big thing that I was even saying to you before we came on air is a lot of the viewers at home um, and even with the show, we focus quite a lot on residential property. A lot of the viewers are either property investors or certainly looking to go into property investment and really want to get a good sense of what the market is looking like at different points. I think before we even you know look at the latest data and what it's telling us, given that you've been in the industry and been doing this work for literally longer than I've been alive, I'm, I'm keen to hear from, quite literally, uh, I'm, I'm keen to hear from you what have been just some of the general trends that you've seen when it comes to residential property in particular, um, especially those who are looking at it from an investment perspective. Um, and so we're looking at, you know, landlords, and sometimes it can be sort of your more DIY landlords or your more institutional landlords. What have just been the general patterns and trends that you have picked up over the, you know, three decades plus um, that you can share with us? I think the, the first uh, trend that comes to mind is that uh, in South Africa, our flats and our houses are becoming smaller. Uh, that, that's a, that's a long-term trend. It's, it's been a lo- uh, with us for, for quite a number of, uh, at least uh, one or two, or two decades. But as of late, uh, I think it's accelerated. The trend is accelerated. And you'll see that the de- developers, some developers are uh, developing and marketing or converting old uh, office buildings and then creating flats of, of uh, even as small as 20 square meters or up to 40 square meters, something like that, in order to make it more uh, affordable for people to stay in the CBDs. Uh, because this is the the big the, the big slogan at the moment, you know the the not so um, the not so well off must be able to stay close to work in the CBD. Now, um, whether that is such an important thing is a different question. Because um, uh, what with modern technology like this Zoom session that we are having, uh, you can sit in the South Pole and on the end. In the Antarctica, and as long as you've got a uh, broadband, you can actually do your work. Um, but of course, there are works. There's, there's types of work and types of work. So it all depends on what exactly you are. If you are a clerical type of person, then of course, uh, distance um, work uh, could or can or does work. Um, but if you are a policeman or a nurse or something like that, and you've got to be on the spot at a certain time, and you've got to travel twenty. 30 kilometers, you know, it's uh, it's expensive. So that is the rationale behind this trend uh, of uh, converting office buildings to residential and then uh, in the process uh, uh, quite often uh, make it very small. Uh, of course, from the developer's point of view, when you have very small units, 
residential units in a block of flats, say, uh, your rental per square meter is higher for the smaller units than for the larger units. So that's how they make these developments, uh, 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 making them pay uh, from a financial point of view. That is, that is the most important trend, I think, of the past uh, number of years. Um, yeah, the other trend is more of a cyclical nature. Um, in real terms, house prices uh, peaked in South Africa as in most of the developed world in, in uh, 28, 29, thereabouts, in South Africa, 29. Um, and then we had the crash, big financial uh, crash, and then prices started falling like a stone. And then half, uh, halfway through the fall, it stopped and started moving sideways. And now it's uh, once again, in real terms, these house prices are coming down. Now, what I mean by uh, real terms is after having taken out building cost inflation, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we're looking at it from a developer's point of view, how, how, uh, how um, uh, attractive is it for the developer to develop given uh, what he can get in the form of rentals, or when he sells it, uh, uh, the sales sales rate per square meter of the of, of the units he's selling, uh, uh, compared with the building cost uh, and also the, the cost of the land if, if he had, uh, yeah. So um, I think those are the two most important trends, and uh, uh, and from a, a cyclical point of view. Um, Bear in mind that we had a boost in house prices recently uh, until a few months ago because of the sharp drop in uh, interest rates to counter the, um, to counter the, the, the virus effect. Uh, but this is not going to last forever. Um, and, and this is a dangerous signal. Um, uh, if you are a, a marginal buyer and you can only just afford that monthly instalment because of the very low interest rates, you run, you run the risk that when interest rates start rising, and they will, um, that uh, all of a sudden this uh, house or unit of yours will become uh, uh, less affordable. Um, so be careful for overreach. Uh, it's it is, we are living in uncertain times. Nobody knows or uh, what's uh, what's going to come next. I mean, just to give you another example, for all we know, next year we're going to have a fourth wave of the COVID. Uh, and I mean, not even next year. I think they was, we heard that the Minister of Health was actually projecting that we're, we'll say, in the early stages of a fourth wave. And if things sort of continue the way that they're continuing, we could very easily be looking at a fourth wave during the festive season, similar to what we experienced um, you know, last year in the festive season, where they ended up having to tighten up restrictions um, even more uh, because of how the numbers were escalating. So I, I certainly do agree with you that the, the marginal buyers, and they're the ones that I'm, I'm, I'm often most worried about because oftentimes when you look at the first-time home buyer market, and certainly when we looked at it, um, you know, as these interest rates have been going down in the past 18 months, a lot of the, the praise has been that we're seeing more people being able to access the first-time home buyer market. And for me, it's also alarming that so many people are able to access it, which is great for them and their ability to access it. But the reality is these interest rates are going to go up. And I, I often wonder whether they've budgeted 
for the increase and whether they'll still be able to afford it given the increase. And I think that's probably such a big area of concern, Um, even as much as banks are saying, you know, they they relatively strict on the affordability, but we know that they're also trying to to have business and uh, will look at the numbers and and probably be able to say, yeah, we we are making a call that they'll be able to afford this, mm-hmm. even though if you were to set it up as uh, or look at it from the interest rate that we had last year, January, it would actually put quite a bit of pressure in the household overall budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right about our banks. I must say, uh, as a generalization, I must uh, uh, hand bouquet uh, uh, to our banks. They are, as opposed to some other banks in some other countries, are very responsible people. Um, that's why our crash in 2009 wasn't as bad as, as say, in the, in the US or UK, uh, because our banks are very conservative when it comes to uh, loan funds. But uh, having said that, uh, for the so-called affordable market, that is for housing up to, say, 700,000 rands, uh, thereabouts, between, say, 500 and 700 and 800,000 thereabouts. That's a so-called affordable market, uh, depending on your definition. Um, they are actually handing out 100% bonds, which is very, very dangerous. But on the positive side... We must take off our hat to our banks. I understand their policies as a generalization. Their policies are to assume that uh, even today, that, that when they uh, when they uh, accept a, or a, the passing of a mortgage bond on a house, they uh, they assume that interest rates will be two percentage points higher than, than at than present. What yeah. No, which is uh, I think that's a very responsible way of of dealing with this. Mm-hmm. I am this evening in conversation with Irvin Road, who is the CEO at Road and Associates. We're looking at the state of the property market report. And of course, we are going to be finding out shortly who the lucky winner is of the 500 rands in cash. I want to find out from you at home, um, you know, at the, and especially for the property investors, um, as I was saying earlier, that one of the big things is that we are, uh, you know, using different kinds of data, using different kinds of sources of information to be able to make better decisions about our property portfolios and even the different property businesses that we we have. Earlier on today, we had the Real Estate Industry Summit that took place. I want to find out from you at home, were you in attendance? If you were, which were some of the key sessions uh, that you enjoyed and what were some takeaways uh, for you at home? But in the meantime, let's take a quick look at who the lucky winner is this evening. And that lucky winner is Umenzi Butelezi. Uh, I do hope that Umenzi is indeed uh, watching us live right here on the show. Umenzi Butelezi, I know that I see you quite often in the comments section uh, watching the show. So do drop us a message down here below. 500 rands is up for grabs. It's a payday weekend, so it's certainly a great way uh, for you to have a little bit of extra cash in your pocket. And as we continue our conversation about the stage of the property market report in South Africa uh, with Irwin Road. I want to find out from you, Irwin, I think when we look at 
um, you know, the, the, the investor, uh, you know, the investor market, as we were saying earlier. And, and I'm keen to hear from you what have been some of the, um, you know, behaviors that we've seen when it comes to in the investor market. And it doesn't have to be just sort of in, in this quarter, um, because, again, I, I, I quite appreciate the benefit of you having sort of tracked it for quite an extended period of time and seeing the different, uh, you know, patterns along, along the years. What have been some of the, 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 the behaviors, especially for more, I want to say, the more individual or small scale um, investors as opposed to more of the institutional, um, you know, bigger investors, because I think they also playing in a very different uh, game completely, whereas your, uh, your, let's call them DIY investor, DIY landlords, uh, almost play a relatively diff- different game. What have been some of the you know, general behaviors and trends that you've picked up um, with how those kinds of investors have sort of played it out? Um, and those who've perhaps, you know, stopped investing in property and maybe you know decided to even uh, offload some of their assets um, for whatever reason over the past couple of years um, if you could just share some insight on some of the behaviors and trends that you've seen with that particular market yeah what was the dropping of interest rates uh, last year uh, of course what we saw is two things first of all uh, we saw that uh, house prices uh, rallied a little bit. It was a mini, mini boom that we had. Uh, and of course, uh, at the same time, the number of sales also went up. So your estate agents were very happy. <laughs> uh, they were doing really uh, well uh, at that stage. Now it seems that uh, it is worn off and uh, those who wanted to or can or could afford have done that to, 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 to buy uh, their, their home. Um, and we see a drop off in the number of sales and we're seeing uh, uh, house prices decelerating sharply again, as you would expect, given the fundamentals. And by fundamentals, I mean, I mean given the economy. Uh, the economy is in dire straits. We know the fiscus is in a, is in a corner. Um, we know about uh, ESCOM uh, and we know about the SOEs and, 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 and. Uh, as a result of which, uh, the big question that you can ask from an economic point of view, and please, the, the property market is driven by the economy. It's as simple as that. Um, uh, uh, the big question at the moment is by when? Will it be 2022 or 2023 or 2024? Will the GDP, real GDP, be to the same level as what it was in 2019 before the before the pandemic started? Um, that is the big question. And, uh, and of course, like all futures, it's, it's unknown and uncertain. <laughs> um, so you have two camps at the moment. You have uh, amateur investors, if I may call them that, uh, who think, well, prices are so low now um, in the real terms. Uh, now is a buying opportunity. And I'm sure there are some of them buying at the moment. Um, and then there are the others, and I'm one of them. Uh, not that I'm an active investor, but from my research, I think the worst is to come. Uh, I think uh, values and, and rentals will start uh, going further uh, down uh, over the next few years. Uh, another two years or so, at least, uh, depending, of course, on your on what's going to happen to the economy in general. Uh, mm-hmm. That is the key. That is the key. If you knew what was going to happen to the economy and whether we will be forced to ask the IMF to, to give us a, a loan 
and these loans are always uh, 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 they always uh, always come with all attached. kinds of, of strings attached, right? Exactly. You never exactly, have no strings you know? attached yeah, uh, uh, yeah. loan. Unfortunately, yeah. I think we're actually doing the exact thing in applied macroeconomics, where you look at uh, you know the the effects of having some of these international organizations uh, loaning money, especially to the to the to the global south and various developing nations, and the after effect that that's had. Um, not just to the the economy at large, but to the real estate sector in general. Uh, mm-hmm. And we look at different uh, examples. We look to, you look at a Zim, you look at um, even a Mozambique, um, and a few others. You know, within sort of static, uh, and 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 kind of weighed up with where South Africa could potentially be given different kinds of scenarios. And I think that's an important thing to always be on top of, because as we, as, as you've pointed out, there with futures, you never quite know where it's going to be going. Um, and that's why it becomes so important to be able to track different data sets um, and try to make sense of it as much as possible. I see we're already getting some love on our social media pages, Manza Victoria, Queen Tago, Gateko um, Ahabe saying, happy long weekend, buffet to... It's not quite a long weekend. We are voting on Monday. I do hope that uh, Abantu, you don't have the big days. Go and vote on Monday. Uh, so let's not quite treat it like the normal long weekend. Because our normal long weekend, you can go out of town. This isn't a going out of town long weekend. You must stay in town so you vote uh, in your, of course, local area. That's quite an important one, um, quite quite a bit. We've got a question here from Gloria Whitfield saying, just join Gloria from Port Elizabeth, which region is ahead with sales, um, you know, the particular province in South Africa? And, and I think broadly, because I, I know you probably don't have that data uh, right in front of you, Owen, when you look at just the general sales um, trends and sales data. I know that Western Cape uh, you know, tends to perform relatively well in terms of um, the, the amount uh, as opposed to necessarily the, the, the number of you know, units being sold. But what have been just interesting sales data around the country, even in the past three decades, uh, when you observe it? Yeah, that is, um, that's quite an interesting one. Uh, I still remember when I was a young man working for Old Mutual, um, and we're now talking about the the 80s, late 70s, early 80s. When you transferred somebody from Cape Town uh, to Johannesburg, you had to increase that uh, staff member's um, uh, housing allowance because houses were <laughs> much higher in Joburg than in Cape Town. Um, and, and now uh, it's the other way around. Now it's now, the other way around. Yeah. I can yeah. actually put a date to it when it started changing. When uh, and that is more or less the middle eighties when things started. Uh, that was after you. You may recall those of you old enough that we had we had this wonderful gold boom that ended in nineteen eighty. Uh, and that drove the economy for another few years, and it was a wonderful time. And um, and with it, uh, uh, property prices shot through the roof. And um, yeah, um, and then thereafter, of course, um, uh, 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 the gold price and other commodity prices like, say, copper or iron ore or whatever, uh, started decelerating in real terms. And that's very important for South Africa because South Africa is primarily an exporter of commodities. 
uh, and commodities includes, by the way, soft commodities like uh, mealies, maize, uh, what, corn, whatever the Americans call it. Um, so in other words, it also includes foodstuffs. Um, so uh, from that time, more or less, this is my, my personal uh, uh, guesstimate, that uh, from that time, uh, uh, the Joburg economy did less well than the Western Cape economy because the Western Cape economy is more diversified and less dependent on a booming, uh, on a booming uh, commodity uh, market. And uh, I could clearly see it in, in the Cape Town CBD and surrounds. Uh, we now call it the, the Cape Town uh, Bowl, the City Bowl. That, that's the term we nowadays use. That is, uh, and also around at the Atlantic Seaboard thereabouts. Our prices have had increased incredibly uh, from the mid-80s onwards. Um, and this trend just continued. And uh, throughout... Uh, and since 1994, the, uh, it seems that the trend had um, had accelerated, in fact, uh, because then there came a political uh, aspect to it as well. Uh, the perception is now that uh, the Western Cape uh, and Cape Town itself is better managed than than than, than the rest of the of of the country. So um, the the Western Cape, uh, including the South Cape. And Cape Town and the environs has become a, a popular place to uh, to retire. And what with modern uh, uh, communications, one guess, I haven't got data on it, but I guess that uh, many a person has convinced his or her boss that it's actually better for him or her to work from Cape Town or from, from, from Joburg uh, and uh, uh, do a Zoom uh, every day with his or her boss. Uh, so... Um, so, in a nutshell, uh, yes, the Western Cape and uh, Cape Town, especially, our house prices here have become very expensive relative to the rest of the country. That's a fact. Um, the, 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 the problem is, however, that there's a limit to a thing like this. Uh, you can't have a constant growth rate of, say, 6% per annum for house prices in the Western Cape and only 3% in the rest of the country because sooner or later, houses become... Uh, unaffordable at, yeah. uh, at those growth rates. And then the, the, this wonderful market that we call the free market rebalances itself, you know. Um, so, it was uh, going to go down. I think Cape Town, uh, I mean, Cape Town, your know, prices are at, at a level where uh, I think even analysts are saying, look, it's, it's unsustainably high. Um, and the reality is you keep pushing it higher and higher or it's, it keeps sort of going higher. At some point, there are only so many people, certainly from a local perspective now, let's let's almost for a second uh, not consider, you know, uh, overseas the overseas market there are only so many people who can sustainably be able to afford mm. those uh, price points and and then what's going to happen and even those who currently have them now we know that uh, quite a significant percentage of them is dual income households and it's also you know incomes that are already under pressure so it's not this automatic you know they have quite a lot of money or access you know capital lying around because we're also very aware of what income levels and income price points in South Africa are at. And so it really is unsustainable and it's unfortunate that they've, they've continued to escalate at the rate that they've escalated. Um, and, and many of us, I mean, are, 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 are like waiting for, for it to, to 
price cor- to like price correct and and it's it, more often than not is it's a matter of time about when is that going to happen for the local market because we know that if you look at you know markets in other part of the the world that price point still works very well for them so i think it is one of those things where we we cannot pat ourselves in in the back when you know a cape town is is unsustainably that much higher than other parts of the country in ways where one could argue you can't quite justify it, you know, and, and others would be like, no, it's justifiable for different sets of reasons. But I think when we kind of take a, a step back in a relatively realistic sense, I mean, and you were saying this earlier, uh, that one of the things with residential properties is that they're getting smaller and smaller and smaller even in Cape Town, a lot of these developments are smaller and smaller and smaller. We're seeing micro apartments that are costing a ridiculous amount per square meter in ways where we are also just saying this is not sustainable, right? And and I think it's going to be interesting to observe what's going to be happening um, in the next couple of years, particularly to that market. And Owen, as we wrap up, I actually want to find out from you what your projections are for the residential property market, say, in the next three to five years. I mean, one of the things that you already pointed out is we know that interest rates are going to, to go up. And, and that's just one of the things where um, if, we, if, if there were marginal buyers who kind of just got in, they're very likely going to, to be in a very dangerous you know, position unless their income kind of you know, goes up mm-hmm. or they're able to cut out in their budget other things for them to be able to afford still servicing that home loan facility, afford the escalating rent um, you know, rates and, of course, the levies, because I think that's also the other reality where it isn't dependent on, on interest rates. You know, rates keep going up, or certainly, and, 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 and it's going up in ways that has put a lot of pressure on us as homeowners. Levies are also you know, doing the same way. I'm keen to hear from you. What are some of your projections for the residential property sector uh, in the next three to five years? Well, as I said before, it's driven by the economy. So give me your uh, your uh, uh, estimate of what the economy will do over the next two to three years, and I can tell you what will happen to the market, uh, to the property market. Um, but um, let's be practical now. Uh, my view for what it's worth is that the economy is facing a, a period of stagnation for many years to come because we've got to rectify this, this ship that was uh, uh, near, uh, near capsizing. And that's going to take time. It's not going to, <laughs> you're not going to do that overnight. It's, a, it's going to be long, hard work. And in the process, we're going to have many demonstrations in the streets, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, for one thing, uh, the government will be forced to, uh, to put a, a damper on, on any salary increases in the public sector. Uh, and uh, we know the public sector is overblown. Uh, 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 there, there, there are too many uh, public sector employees. Uh, we know that uh, compared to other countries. Um, so it's quite possible, and the government should actually reduce its uh, its salary bill. And uh, and one of the ways of doing that is to reduce the number of employees, uh, civil servants. Um, so uh, what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way is that um, not only jobs are on the line, but those who, who retain their jobs, their uh, salary increases in real terms will go backwards. Uh, in other words, with inflation of, say, 5%, and you, uh, you get a 0% increase in your salary uh, or wages, uh, I mean, 
obviously you're going to have more and more trouble to make ends meet as a consumer. So I appeal to everybody who's listening, please guys, live uh, uh, within your means. Don't, don't, don't use debt to buy food. Uh, you simply have to cut uh, your, um, your expenditure uh, to stay within your budget. Don't make debt because uh, we could be facing tough, tough times ahead of us. And the implication of that is, is that uh, property-wise, prices of houses and, uh, uh, well, we're, speaking, we're talking of houses now. Um, prices of houses will, in real terms, in other words, after deducting inflation, will uh, keep on declining, uh, especially, of course, when interest rates start rising. And who knows how high interest rates will go. We know that the rest of the world has had ridiculous 0% interest rates over the past decade and longer. Um, and, um, and this is, of course, not sustainable. Sooner or later, and we already see it in many countries around the world, interest rates have already started rising. So, um, yeah, tough times are lying ahead. And I'm sorry, I'm just a messenger. Please don't decapitate me. You know, Evan, when you're saying tough times are lying, I hate you actually reminding me of, uh, and I know you wouldn't know this reference, there's a, there's a, there's a, a social media uh, video that goes around that says that tough times, tough times never last, uh, only tough people do. And unfortunately, uh, you know, from you, we're getting a sense that tough times are going to last and we need to buckle up and best prepare ourselves for it. Evan, we're going to leave it there this evening. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Pleasure. And that is Irvin Road, who is the CEO at Road and Associates, wrapping up the Friday edition of the Private Property Podcast with myself, Uzamandongwa Kumalo. Umenzi Butelezi, unfortunately, didn't drop us a message down here below. The team has let me know. I think this is probably the one time he decided not to watch the show and he gets to be a winner. So the is I'm, I'm actually just like I'm hugged on his behalf because I know that he's usually you know tuned in every single evening and dropping us a message uh, but that is where we're going to leave it this evening thank you so much for tuning in uh, from myself I'll be back on your screens on Tuesday evening I do hope that you don't treat this as a long weekend go out there and vote on Monday and you and I are going to be back on Tuesday at the same time until then hoping you're staying home and staying safe